0: Man, thank you guys so much for being here today. Um, let, let me just maybe say this. I, you know, I realize that in the room today, we have people that are really from uh, kind of a melting pot. We're from a lot of different backgrounds. And I just uh, want to remind you, man, that, that it's okay sometimes to stop and realize, man, God wants to minister to people, right? That we're all real people. We all go through life, and life is full of difficulties. And, uh, and there's times where God is, uh, you know, out of just his love for us, he's willing to put pause on uh, what would be our normal routine just so we can minister to his kids, amen? And, and so if I could, maybe let me say it like this, you know, look, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dad of, uh, of a total of a basketball team, right? And so, uh, five, and, you, you know, it's funny that, you know, as if you're a parent here, you know that, you know, everything, you could be sitting there and everything's kind of going about the day pretty normal, and if you hear that one kid scream, and how many of you guys know that, that kids have different cries, Right, and, and so there's some that somebody's irritating me, and then there's those that, oh, I just got hurt. And at that moment when somebody gets hurt, uh, man, the world stops and you go to their aids. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and so so the father is willing to do that with his kids. Uh, when he hears their cry and he knows that they're hurting, he wants to go and minister to them as well. And so uh, let me let me maybe encourage you guys this. This actually uh, a verse that came in my heart this morning. Uh, just encourage you guys that said, look, I need a miracle. Um, sometimes I think when we're in the spot of a miracle and we're waiting for that, that in-between spot, right? When we know God's promised us something and we're waiting for it to manifest, we're waiting for it to come to pass. Uh, there's that spot a lot of times it's really easy to get very me-focused, you know, I'm talking about where it's all about me getting well, me needing a miracle, me needing, me needing, me needing. And I think sometimes in that spot uh, that God wants us to actually look for someone else that has maybe the same need we have and can have faith for them and pray for them as well. Let me read a verse to you and tell you why I'm saying what I'm saying. Uh, This is the verse came to my heart this morning, and then we'll shift gears here. But it says this in Genesis chapter 20. uh, It's about Abraham. So we know that here's Abraham. He's an old guy, and he never had a son, right? And the the Lord one day spoke to him and said, hey, see the stars. See, he's saying, look, I'm going to give you... Basically, multitudes of children, right? But we know the promise really came through one son. And uh, in the meantime of him waiting for that miracle, I want to show you what happened. Uh, Abraham actually ended up in a guy named uh, Abimelech's house. And it says this in Genesis 20, verse 17. Remember, he's waiting on the miracle. It says, Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants, so that they could have children. For the Lord had caused all the women to be infertile because of what happened with Abraham's wife Sarah. Am I making sense? Sometimes, once again, when we are in need of a miracle, is we got to go pray in faith and believe that. Guess what? God will touch somebody else in response. He's going to touch me as well. Amen, amen, yes. amen. All right. So listen. Let me let me maybe kind of set this for you. Um, just kind of set this up. We're going to be really authentic today. Um, I got done last night, probably about around 1 o'clock, and, and I'm sitting there looking at what I have on my computer, and I'm like, man, I really have two messages. And, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, is it going to be a BOGO day? You know, buy one, get one. You, you know, are, are we going to preach both of them? I, you know, the good news is both of these are, are free, right? And, and so, anyways, uh, so I've kind of been wrestling with that. Truthfully, all day yesterday and, and this morning I woke up really wrestling with it, and, and I've just kind of settled in my heart, I'm just going to pretty much give you what was originally my, going to be my intro, okay? And, uh, and so I believe, even though it's simple, that God wants to say some profound things to us. And so if you're, if you're visiting with us Because uh, you don't know this, but I'm the kind of guy that likes to build week upon week because I'm very much of a discipler by nature. And so, uh, meaning that one sermon to the next typically connects and we're pointing in a direction. So if you haven't been here, what we've been focusing on is simply this. At the beginning of the year, I heard the Lord speak to me and he said that this is a year of healing. And, uh, and so when I heard that, I realized that healing comes in through basically a variety of ways. There's physical healing, there's emotional healing, right? There's spiritual healing and, and so forth. And so, um, but the thing that recently has been highlighted to me that I know the Lord wants to address with us as the Anchor Church is he is wanting to bring healing to our identity. And uh, the reality is, is, is man, in this room, even though we walk in, we put on a certain face, uh, there's... There, In so many ways, our identities have been damaged. They've been broken. And we don't see ourselves the way God sees us. And I'm convinced that God wants to heal our identity so that we can actually believe and have faith right, that those other things, those other areas where we need miracles, we need healing can actually come, that, that, you know, that even the same note, and we'll talk about this in a minute, that part of the reason why God wants to bring healing to our identity is because he's trying to shift not only us personally, but he's trying to shift us as a church to do greater things, and so we need our mindset to change if we're going to believe for what God wants to do here as the church. Right. So, so, you know, if you can, if you can maybe understand, you know, uh, six years ago, there was about 55 people that made up this church, you know, and we're like over 300 now. And, and I don't say that for, oh, to throw out, you know, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not throwing out for some number. I'm saying it, man, that we're on a mission and, and, and we can't ever get to the point where we say, well, we're satisfied. We're settled, man. I believe God wants to reach a region. Okay, and, and whatever that number is, truthfully, I, I don't care what that is. I, I, just want, I just want to see God reach people, okay? And so if we're going to be able to do greater things, we're going to have to think greater than what we currently think. Am I making sense? Okay, so let's go for the intro. Here we go. Jesus, I thank you for the anointing. I thank you for your presence. Lord, I pray that you would speak loud and clear in our hearts. Father, I pray that things that need to be shaken off today would be shaken off and things that need to be stuck to us like Velcro would stick today. So, Father, open our eyes and open our ears and open up our hearts and speak really loud, God, so we know that it's you talking to us when we leave this place. We, we don't just leave with a bit of information, but we, believe with tra- we leave with transformation. God, that's our faith today. In Jesus' name, amen. Alright, so, so listen, I want to begin by actually uh, unpacking what I believe are two significant words when it comes to us walking with Jesus. And, and those two words are simply this. There, it's the word who, and it's the word what. It's Who and it's what. To be more specific, it's who we are in Christ. In other words, that speaks to our God-given identity. And secondly, it's what we are called to do. Now, the what there is obviously made up of the many assignments that we have in this life that, yes, that reveal the purpose that God has given us, but the culmination of all those assignments are really what makes our destiny. Amen? So so what I'm trying to say to you today, man, there's significance and there's importance in it. So if we can, just for a moment, with those two significant words in mind, once again, who and what, I want to make this point right off the top, and it's this, that if we are ever going to fulfill the what, then we need to settle the who. Yeah. See, in other words, we will never complete our calling to the fullness that God had in mind when he created us and planted us on this earth until we have settled in our hearts our God-given identity. Okay, that's true if you're 12 years old in here, if you're 102 years old in here. Amen? So, so listen, not only do I believe that statement is 100% true, but I think God believes that statement is 100% true, right? That if we're ever going to fulfill the what, then we need to tell the who. But you know who else knows that that statement is true? It's the devil. Yes? So, so listen, in fact, I think Satan knows that truth better than we realize. In fact, I believe he's walked out that truth. Let me tell you the reason why I believe that. Because I believe the Bible shows us that he has personally experienced the highs and lows of that statement firsthand. Here's what the Bible says in Isaiah 14. It's talking about Lucifer, who we also know as Satan. This is when he was an archangel. It says this, How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. Understand the O shining star, son of the morning, that is about his identity. It says, you have been thrown down to the earth for you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. The stars are other angels. And then it says that he said in his heart, I will climb the highest heavens and be like the most high. But God said, no, I don't think so. Instead, you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. So listen, with with, uh, just those few verses in mind, may I suggest to you today that when Lucifer decided to step beyond the boundaries of his God-given identity, when he tried to become like God, he not only failed in his assignment that God gave him, but he also failed to complete his purpose. Now, how do we know that? Because the Bible says this in Ezekiel 28, verse 14. I want the first two words for you here just to sink deep, please. It says this about him. You were. You were were the anointed cherub who covers. Can we let those words sink deep this morning? It's like you were, you were, you were, but you are no longer. Why? Because just like that, guess what? When he decided to step out of his identity, he lost his assignment. And when he lost his assignment, he lost his identity. He went from being the star of the morning to being known as the prince of darkness. Listen, if we realize it or not, and this is really... One of the points I want to make to you today is that ever since that day, he has tried his absolute best to plot, to scheme, and to deceive to make sure the same thing happens to all of God's people, and that includes you and it includes me. Let's quickly give us some scriptural proof of this. Genesis 3 says this, It says the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he, obviously the the devil was speaking through him, asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open, and as soon as you eat it, you will be like God. Does that sound familiar? Knowing both good and evil. And watch this, verse 6 simply says, The woman was convinced. And we all know what happened next. She ate, Adam ate, because they believed they could be like God, and the rest is history, right? But but here's what I want us to notice is that it would appear like Satan had this idea or this strategy in mind that said this, that he knew that if losing his own God-given identity caused him to not fulfill his God-given purpose, then surely the same lie, if believed, could cause the same thing to happen to them. And you know what? He was right. He began by what? When you look at the scripture we just read, he began by creating doubt in their minds concerning the Father's love and their Father's truthfulness towards them. See, the reality is, guys, one of the ways that the enemy will come in and and try to get in our headspace to begin to change the way we view ourselves and the way we view God is he'll begin to put God in a light of who he's not. He'll try to make us think the Father so often. Let me just say how it is. Uh, He'll make the Father look like our earthly father. Anybody with me? Okay? In other words, that we begin to see the father, that he's not perfect, that maybe, you know, uh, whatever, that his love for us isn't really genuine. It's not really real. It's not really unconditional. All these things. And, and here's what basically Satan was getting at when he was talking to these guys. Because he knew if he could convince them that the father was wrong, then surely something had to be wrong with them as well. Why? Because we're created in his image. And so that single thought not only sparked the first feelings of insecurity, but it was the first identity crisis for all mankind. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. Listen, without a doubt, that snowball effect of this was, was what? That the moment that Adam and Eve were convinced and ate the forbidden fruit, they too, like the enemy, stepped beyond the boundaries of their God-given identity. And by doing so, they failed in their assignment, which was what? To have dominion in the garden that ultimately resulted in them losing their purpose, which was what? To walk with God in the cool of the day, an intimate relationship. Now, what's really interesting to me is when you actually back up and you begin to look Uh, you know, at the outcome of Isaiah 14 and and of Genesis 3, I think the outcome is pretty shocking, if not eerily similar. And here's why I say that. Because Isaiah 14 simply talks about, oh, how you have fallen. Now, obviously, it's talking about Lucifer getting kicked out of heaven, right, and losing his place as doing what? Covering the glory of God. But when you look at Genesis 3, as we all know, this passage will forever be known as the fall of man right? Because it's when Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden, and what did they lose? They lost their covering, which was the glory of God. So listen, if we can grab a hold of this, all this happened because one angel and two people decided to do what? To lose sight of who they were. And once they lost sight of their who, their identity, they can no longer complete what the Father had called them to do. Now, one thing to me that as I was studying this, I'm like, man, one thing that I thought was pretty comical about this is is if we keep reading the Bible and we fast forward on into the New Testament, we discover that obviously Satan thought his plan worked so well with Adam and Eve that he decided to try it again with the last Adam, who is Jesus, right? So let's quickly look at Matthew chapter 4, but before we read it, let, let let me tell you what happened really quick. When we're coming out of Matthew chapter 3, we see that Jesus goes to John the Baptist. John the Baptist is sitting in Jordan. He's baptizing people, right, for, for the remission or forgiveness of their sins. And, and he goes to him and says, hey, look, man, I need you to baptize me to fulfill all righteousness. And we see basically John the Baptist baptizes the Son of God, and as the Son of God is ascending out of, the, out of the water, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove, and the Father speaks and says, This is my beloved Son. He declared his identity, and then he said, In whom I am well pleased. Now watch what happens next. Hopefully this will hit home for all of us here. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For forty days and forty nights he fasted, and guess what? He became very hungry. Love it. Verse 3, during that time, the devil came and said to him, what? If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. So what's the point? According to verse 3, then guess what? What was the first thing that Satan tried to get Jesus to question? It was his identity, right? If you really are the Son of God, then prove it. Now, why did he do this? Because, once again, there's a theme here that I'm trying to get us to see. Because if Satan could get Jesus to start second-guessing or to lose sight of his identity like he did with Adam and Eve, then it would be just a matter of time before, guess what? He, too, would lose sight of his God-given identity. But he would also, what? Fail in his assignment and his purpose, which was, what? To be the Savior of the world. Now, here's the thought that I really want to grab because I realize we're in this moment, right? Like, like we are. As a church, we're in this moment that God, I believe, is trying to transition some things. And so if I could just kind of insert this one thought in here before we move on. In my opinion, when most of us read uh, Matthew chapter 4 or Luke chapter 4, which gives the other, the other gospel the same story, uh, the majority of the time we focus on the three temptations of Satan and how Jesus responded to each one by quoting a scripture right in other words the devil tempted jesus said it is written and then we say you know if that's how jesus did it then that's how we need to do it now obviously there's nothing wrong with that in fact i believe it's correct right when the enemy attacks us our only sword we have is the word of god yes, yes? but but there's something else i want us to notice here and this is what popped out of me when i was looking at this uh basically over the past few days notice it's when the temptation came. Notice when the temptation came. It came during a time when Jesus was going through an identity shift in his own life. He was moving from being a carpenter to actually launching out into the full-time ministry. That was his coronation day. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That was his moment of launching, right? And so I believe because Satan knew that that was the launching point. In fact, I believe that's when he recognized, oh, that's the Son of God in the flesh. I believe he strategically attacked Jesus in an attempt to stop his mind from shifting into his future. In other words, it's like Satan tried to steal Jesus' identity in order to stop his assignment because he knew Jesus' assignment according to Genesis 3 is to do what? Is to crush his head and to set people free. So, what's the whole point I'm trying to get at here? Really simple. Is that if the devil will pull this trick out of his hat for Adam and Eve, right? The first people ever born, first people ever created, right? And if he tried to pull it out again with Jesus, who is God in the flesh, then what would make you and I think that he would try to do something different with us? Listen, I don't know about you, but at least it appears to me, at least when I look back at my own life, it's like he pulls these tricks out the most when I have actually been entering into a key transitional moment in my own life, and it's in that very moment when I need an identity shift, guess what, that's when I'm attacked the most with my identity and these things. And, and I believe if some of you guys have said, you know what, I'm going to walk with God, I'm going to do something great with God, and if you look back at your trajectory, if you look back at your past, then the same thing has happened to you again and again as well. Amen? So listen, if we believe it or not, we'll throw up the next slide. Satan's strategy is to steal our identity. That's your identity, my identity, in order to stop our assignments. Because our assignments, like Jesus, will crush him and set people free who are presently being held by his darkness. Great place to say amen. Right? So listen, it's true. The enemy attacks our identity with thoughts of inferiority, insecurities, as strategic transitions in our lives that cause us to disqualify ourselves. No, nobody else but ourselves from what God has already chosen us to do. Please listen to me, church. Um, with all that in mind, do we seriously think it has been a coincidence in our lives? Guess what? Every time we start to move forward in something new. Our identity has been intact like it has been. Like, is that a coincidence? Listen, for most of us in this room, and it's weird, I just have a sense. This isn't, maybe I shouldn't say most. I think it's for some people in this room, if you actually stop, if you're the type of person, let me paint a better picture here. um, I believe that there are a few people in this room that basically, even at a young age, you knew God's hand was on you. Right, And you knew God had something for you, great, that he wanted you to do something for him. There was just an awareness that it seemed like, no words like this, like you, that maybe your brothers and sisters didn't have, that maybe when you went to school, just like people didn't think that way, you knew there's something different in your heart. And I believe that some of y'all have even been way back, even attacked then, at every strategic moment where God's tried to bring advancement to you, so it's nothing new. Right, And so it's like every time God has wanted to bring advancement into our lives, it's like the floodgates of self-doubt, feelings of inadequacy, the fear of failure, insecurities, discouragement, all that opens up, and we become hesitant and sometimes even paralyzed in moving forward. In fact, I'll tell you, I was, we were sitting here, I didn't say it's first service, but we were sitting here, when I was standing here earlier in worship, I heard the word this word, abort. That meaning that sometimes that when... God is willing to bring advancement. You are so overwhelmed by all of those feelings of insecurity that you've actually aborted the plan of God for your life. In fact, let me give you a testimony that, um, that's true. And I think Pastor Brian was there when this happened. I only heard about it. Uh, but in our old church in North Carolina, uh, our pastor uh, was in a very successful ministry in Dallas, Texas. And, and God spoke to him to leave a church that he was pastoring of 8,000 people to go start a church in someone's living room with 12 people. It's a big change. And uh, anyway, so, so in that, God ended up... Basically, they went to a closet, like a janitor's closet, had church in that. Then they went to a uh, building that was on the rough side of town, had a church in that. And then they built uh, a church that said about 550 people on a basically a, a piece of land, right? And they, and they built the building. And God immediately, I think it was in the first month, they went from one service to two service, and it just blew up, right? And so what was funny is, or not funny, but strange, talking about this thing of abort, uh, one day there was a man that walked in. And he came to the altar after service, and the, guy, and the guy was weeping. He was just crying, and he had uh, basically a piece of paper rolled in his hand, and it was basically a blueprint. And he comes up, and he's weeping, he's crying, and he starts talking to our pastor, and he said that basically, I don't know, like 10 years before, God had spoke to him, and he gave him a vision, and he told him to buy that plot of land and to build a church, and he called him to pastor it. But he said out of fear, he basically ran the other way. And what was crazy is he opened up the plans he had made 10 years prior, and it was the exact building that we were in. I don't understand how God works, but it was very obvious that our pastor wasn't the first choice. <laughs> do, do you hear what I'm saying? And so I think that for chance, or by chance, listen, there's things that maybe God has wanted to call some of us in this room in, into. There's things that we've dreamed about, things we believed about, things that we want to just that would require really big steps of faith, but because fear comes, we end up aborting the plan, and there's a holy frustration, disappointment, and maybe even guilt and shame because we haven't done it. Am I making sense to somebody? Listen, I'll just say this, um, to give you personal here. When, when we first moved here, I've shared the story many times as far as like what we went through coming here in that transition, leaving the church in North Carolina, coming here. And uh, you know when we got here, The reality is this this church wasn't in the best spot okay it was it was unhealthy and uh, you know it was struggling not only spiritually it was struggling uh, you know relationally and it was struggling financially and and we came here and even though God had done great things with us in the past uh, I got to be honest with you I was pretty overwhelmed thinking man maybe maybe God just put me in a spot and we bit off more than we can chew and I was like, man, I don't know, uh, God, like you picked the wrong guy. How am I going to lead us out of this? And, uh, and I remember, um, you know, basically we'd go to staff meeting and Jennifer and Rachel, Rachel was playing keys. They kept wanting us to uh, sing a song and the song is King of My Heart. And um, that I believe uh, John Martin McMillan and his wife wrote it. And, and they kept wanting to do it. And I was like, I don't want to do that song. I don't want to do that song. It's not that I thought it was necessarily a bad song, but it's one of those songs once you kind of heard it, you've heard it. Say that with all love, right? And so, yeah, everyone else hadn't heard it, but I had, because it kept getting played in my house on repeat. So, anyways, <laughs> so, so, anyways, I remember sitting here, and and I remember, okay, God's trying to bring a transition in my life. He's trying to bring a transition in the church, and as a leader, man, I was getting hammered with uh, basically thoughts about the fear of failure, and and I and I just didn't see a way out, and and it's so much so that. Uh, you know, not only did I not really know what to do with some people, but I remember even from the pressure of the finances. And there's a point I'm trying to make here. Like I felt that pressure so much. So I remember, uh, you know, basically I started having nightmares. I'd wake up that I forgot to take the offering. (laughs) Now, you know, for you guys that know me, you know, I'm not, I'm not a guy that I don't like putting pressure on people for money. I believe we're supposed to give, believe in the tithe, believe in the offering, but that's between you and Jesus, you do it. We give you an opportunity, but but I'm not going to pressure you, right? I'm not going to be the guy that's going to get up and preach 20 minutes to take an offering. And, and so I was like, God, I'm trusting you, but I'm scared to death. How are we going to do this? Because there's bills that got to be paid, right? And, and I remember sitting over there and and getting, like I said, hammered for days and feeling just depressed and oppressed and and uh, they started singing that song, and it got to the, the uh, tag in it that simply says this, I'm never going to let you down. And, man, when that line, they, of course, they sang it and sang it and sang it and sang it. But, but so, it, so it gave me plenty of time to hear it. And, and so, uh, but, man, as so they sang it, I heard the Lord speak to me. And he said this. He said, Quentin, I did not call you here to fail. And I heard him say these clear words, I have your back. And here's the cool part, okay, is, is that Sunday, without going into any details, you know, we did the offering normal, we, you know, went home, and, and I felt like, okay, a little bit more confidence, okay, maybe God's going to do something, please, Jesus, right? And, uh, and so, I come in the office on Tuesday, and, and the offering that was received that Sunday was, I think, four times more than what we normally would receive in a month. Yeah? What do you think I did? I cried because it was confirmation for me now the next month it was back to normal okay but 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 it, but it was confirmation for me, man, that God's in this, and he's going to do something he's going to move. am I making sense to you? and so listen, thank God I didn't abort it <laughs> amen so listen if i could if I could maybe just say this and we'll and we'll land this thing i I, I don't I want to remind you that maybe for a moment that this incident with Jesus, this incident with uh, with Adam and Eve, man, they're not isolated events in the Bible. In other words, all throughout the Bible, we see people struggling with their identity in times of transition. Let me give you a few examples quickly. In Exodus chapter 3, we see that Moses is on the backside of the desert. Obviously, he's fled Egypt. He's a broken man, and, and he is just out there tending his father's sheep. Here he is. He's called to lead a nation, and he don't even own the sheep that he's tending to, Right. And and he sees this burning bush, and he goes over to see this wonder. And and obviously, God begins to speak out of it. It's a a theophany, right? God begins to speak out. God's appearing. And he tells him, take off his sandals for he's on holy ground. And the Lord begins to say, look, I have uh, seen... oppression of my people he actually said i've heard their i've heard their cries i've seen their tears and now i've come down to send you in other words i'm going to take you from the backside of the desert and i'm going to transition you to go before pharaoh who's the leader of basically the known world and, and you're going to stand up against him i'm going to move and then you're going to lead all my people and what were the uh magical words of how he responded he said this who am i why because there was an identity crisis he was having there was an identity shift that god was trying to bring him into but the only thing he could look at was himself let me give you another one here Fast forward and go to Isaiah chapter six. God gives Isaiah this incredible opportunity. He's standing in the throne room of heaven. He's seeing the angels fly right. He's hearing them scream uh, or seeing holy, holy, holy. It's so loud the threshold is shaking. And in that moment, uh, all he can say is this: "Is woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips." In other words, man, my identity doesn't match the moment right? And, and thankfully, because the grace of God, an angel flew, with, he took the coal off the altar, and he put it to his lips, and he said, basically, you're pure, you're clean, and then allowed him to say, here am I, send me. But it had to, there had to be an identity shift in his mind, in his life, for him to do what God called him to do, to be a prophet to the nation. Are you hearing me today? Weeks ago, we talked about Peter. We know in Luke chapter 4, here he is. uh, You you know, Jesus is teaching on the hillside. and Then he tells him, hey, put out your boat. Hey, toss it to the other side, right the net. And we know he pulls in the big old, uh, basically, you know, record-breaking day uh, fish. And then he pulls pulls basically with Andrew, John, and James. He gets to the uh, shoreline, and he falls to his knees, and he tells Jesus, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Right. In other words, this is the identity. This way, I view myself. And then we know that Jesus said, "From now on, you'll be fisher. You'll be fishers of men." Right. So there was an identity shift in this moment. He had to see himself different. Uh, let me give you another one here. In the book of Genesis, uh, we know that here's Abraham. How many of you guys know it takes a woman to have a child? <laughs> Revelation. Right. So here, here, here's Abraham. He's the old guy. God gave him the promise that the child's going to come, right? And so he's sitting out there under a terebinth tree and three men walk up. I personally believe it was Theophany. I believe God showed up. And, and, and he said, what? Uh, hey, your wife, Sarah, she's going to have a baby. Well, Sarah wasn't chilling out there with him. Sarah was in the tent and Sarah overheard him. What did she do? She laughed. <laughs> right? Why? Because there needed to be identity shift in her own life. Let me give you one more uh, let, me, let me group all those for a second. Do you notice that every one of those, uh, basically, identity issues came from within? Now, I want to give you one that sometimes comes from without, okay? And, uh, because that's how the enemy, he uses other people sometimes. Um, here in 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, basically, David's just tending the sheep. Jesse says, hey, your three older brother's there. Uh, they're out at the, you know, the battle line. They're fighting with Saul. Why don't you go take them some, uh, you know, go take their leader some cheese and some bread, and while you're there, check on them and see how they're doing. So he goes and his father sends him. He takes the cheese and the bread. And then as he's standing there, uh, he sees Goliath comes out and he sees him go through his whole deal. And he asks the question, man, uh, what will the guy get whoever goes and kills him? And then uh, basically as he's asking that question, his oldest brother, Elab, who is obviously jealous, he began to say, well, look, I know your heart. You're full of pride and insolent and you've just come out to watch a battle. He attacked him, right? And so the reason I'm bringing that up is... Yes, it's from without, but, uh, but the point that I want to make is this is have you ever noticed when God's wanting to bring a transition in your life that obviously there's a giant that you have to slay inside before you can slay one outside? Yes. okay And that's the, the giant of insecurity. But, but there's also this other side that I think holds so many of us back is when we go to do something, we are reminded again by what our family has said. right? Because the reality is this, is most of us in this room, we can go to work, and somebody can tell us whatever they want, and we just kind of go, great, appreciate you sharing, and we move on with life. Whatever, Jack. Okay, but, but let mom say something. Let dad say something. Let your brother, your sister say something. Let granny say something. How many of you guys know that sticks? Right? And, and so, listen, if we're going to uh, actually transition we're going to have to be able to slay that giant as well. In other words, we're going to have to be able to not hear them, and we got to put more faith in what God says and what they say. Yeah. Amen? Am I making sense? All right, let me find where I'm at in my notes. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Listen, if you are sitting here today and you're like this, all right, Quentin, I'm hearing you, but I'm not really seeing the big deal. Like, I get, okay, identity, who, what, oh, that's cute, whatever, okay? Um, listen, I would just kindly ask you to consider this, and I hope this lands in your lap. Can you imagine what would have happened, let's go all the way back, when Satan rolled into Adam and Eve's neighborhood with his, uh, for lack of a better term, snake oil salesman tactics, right, trying to get them to buy into a lie. What would happen if Adam and Eve would have looked at him and said, Satan, you're a liar. I'm saying this what I'm about to say for some of y'all, Okay. Our God is good. He wants what's best for us. He has already given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. All that we have ever need of to be fulfilled in this life is found in him. And here's the key part. We are loved. We are valued. We belong. We are 100% accepted as his kids. So no thank you. You will not be. We will not be buying in your lives today. And they gently just smiled at him and shut the door right in his face. Now how different would the outcome have been for all of us if that would have taken place? It would have been glorious. Sounds cheesy, but in my head, I think this. We would all be gloriously naked still. Just trying to see if you're awake. Um, how many you guys know if that was the case, we might exercise a little bit more? Yes, sir. All right, so anyways. So watch this. Now, on the flip side, watch this. Can you imagine what would have happened if Jesus in the wilderness would have began to think to himself, you, you know, maybe, maybe this fellow's right. Maybe I'm not who the Father says I am. Some of you guys have said this. Maybe I'm not his beloved son, and maybe he isn't as pleased as me as much as I think he is. And if all that is true, then maybe I'm not supposed to go to the cross either. How different would the outcome have been for all of us then? Right? If Jesus never went to the cross, if he never died for our sins, man, it would be disastrous. So, listen on that note, and we're going to wrap up here in a second. Um, I just want to ask y'all, and I do want to say, men, please listen to this, okay? But it's also for women as well. Have you ever considered what will be the outcome if you don't solidify your God given identity? Making sense? See, so often we get so caught up in the what we forget the who. And we try to go run and do the what, and we wonder why we're not successful in the what. It's because we've never solidified the who. But what I'm trying to get us to understand, maybe today, is that yes, there's attack in the transition moments, but guess what? Also, there's a lot at stake. And so have we considered what's at stake if we don't solidify who we are in Jesus? Dad, what's at stake? Mom, what's at stake? Like, business owner, what's at stake? Right? And so you kind of look and you go, man, uh, guess what? It goes way beyond maybe what I, what I normally recognize. Maybe there's a ripple effect that goes way beyond just me and how I feel. See, for so often, I think when we talk about our identity, uh, we ride this roller coaster and we say this, Well, well, I'm sad today. I'm happy today. Well, I feel like I'm fat today. Well, I feel skinny today. Well, today I'm looking good, right? And we ride this emotional wave, but man, it goes way beyond that. And if you understand today that that is a reflection of what's really happening in your identity of how you feel about yourself. Am I making sense? So listen, for the positive or the negative, listen, I'm trying to tell you that your who will affect your spouse, your who will affect your children, your who will affect your children's children because there is a third and fourth generation to this, right? That your who will affect this church and your who will even affect this community because every one of us that that live here and have been called here, we're called to influence uh, this region with our who and with our what. Right, And so what I'm trying to get you to understand is that your who has a much more lasting impact and has much bigger, uh, you know, whatever, effects, whatever the word is, basically, than how you feel. So maybe we need to make it a priority, because Jesus is. So we'll land on this thought. We'll throw up the next slide and the last slide. Is that who we are and what we are or what we do, right? Who we are and what we do are so intricately woven together like Lucifer, Adam, and Eve, and yes, even Jesus, we will either rise or fall to the level of our perceived identity and worth. Adam and Eve fell, and Jesus rose to the occasion. Man, let's be like Jesus, amen? Listen, I just believe when we begin to look at these things. Once again, that was planning on being the introduction for today is is to understand that, man, that God is really wanting to restore. He is really wanting to heal. He's really wanting to make this thing uh, basically a high priority in our life. And so we should as well. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.